Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Donna, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on. How are you doing? Good, and thank you so much for having me here with you and on Mindset and Self-Mastery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you, you reached out about the show, I checked out your website and what you do, and I'm excited for this episode. I think there's a lot that you're going to be able to share and that the audience is going to be able to take away from it. But why don't you give us some context? Where'd you come from? Who you are? That sort of deal. But what do you do for a living? And tell us something that most people don't know about you that's maybe kind of weird or bizarre. Okay. So where to begin, I guess. Um, my first career, because I thought I had to live my life like how other people, <clears throat> parents, think you should live your life. And I became a financial advisor for an investment firm at the height of my career. I was responsible for $500 million of other people's money. Now, if you do the math, that's half a billion. So sounds a little sexy, but you know, it's not because I gave up my health. It cost me my health. I couldn't digest food for over two years. I couldn't, um, what I couldn't digest in the outside world was the infidelity of my marriage. And so that ended. And then during the global recession, um, being a single parent of two kids, I was left financially devastated myself, even though I followed all the money rules. So I did a quick transition that took me, you know, two and a half years. And now I have an international healing practice. I speak, I'm an author, and I talk a lot about the subconscious creation of money with all the lessons that I've learned. I guess one of the catalysts for changes there about what somebody may not know about me is that during that transition time, I lived in a U.S.-based ashram, which is a spiritual living community, learning about meditation and science and physics and brainwave patterns all through that time and what do you have in common? Because like all of those things that happened to me had me in common. There was even more than what I just shared there, but, um, you know, understanding yourself and, and how you fit into this world and what you're meant to do. Wow. So I, I'm sure you've walked through your story more times than probably you want to in certain ways. Um, and I'm sure that's just a condensed piece of it, but what I'm hearing is things were crazy you got a divorce and then you ended up in an ashram and this happened in about an eight to 12 month period. Is that about right? So my health from the time my health started to the time I was financially devastated in that was a four to a five year time period with all of those events. I did live in the ashram during that time. And the other piece that happened was I thought I could, you know, let's make, have a spiritual relationship and let's do that. And at the end of two years that that person in that spiritual relationship, who was also with me at the ashram, attempted to, to take my life. So all of those things happened in those four to five years. Oh my gosh. That's an insane thing. It, it's kind of funny in a way, not funny, laugh, laugh, funny, but funny in the sense where you wouldn't know that right off the bat. Like, think about the people you walk down the street and see. You wouldn't know the crazy story that has built that person into who they are. And the whole point of the show is about mindset and self-mastery, which is basically just discipline. So how did you manage your mindset through that time, looking back from where you are now and going, how did you manage your mindset in that moment? 
Well, it was really interesting because on one hand, you're living in the ashram, you're living by these spiritual principles, you're living by these virtues, these positive moral characteristics, and that's what everything is on the outside and what you're learning internally. But yet, within your own relationship, the person that you're with was volatile, and it was night and day, and one moment, it'd be moment by moment, one moment, it was really, really good, it was like heaven on earth, and the very next moment, whatever the person triggered, it would snap, and then the next thing you know, you're like taking their hands off of you because you don't want to choke to death and um, not knowing what's going on within that person. So it was like a dichotomy. And I thought a lot about that over the years. And when you ask for a spiritual relationship, yes, you get both sides of a spiritual relationship. And how do you still love somebody unconditionally or love unconditionally with when those types of things are going on? And so I did a lot of work on myself during that year. Um, and I met some people that had some amazing skill sets that showed me some things along the way. And if it wasn't for them and some of the teachers that came into my life, I don't know where I would be today. Yeah. And to be able to look back at that and feel that the way that you do, can you remember what it was like to be able to actually make that pivot where you're like, I have to change this. It's not always like a black and white where one day you wake up and go, holy shit, I need to change things right now. But what did that look like? Yes, um, I remember we had moved from um, the Oregon area into Montana, and that was where I met working with a medicine woman. And she taught me that skill set. You said the word pivot. It was a pivot and shift. The very first way she taught that to me was physically. So if I was in the room and the person started acting out rather than engage with him, then you would just, if you were sitting down, you would stand up, you would physically move. If you were in the room, you might go get a glass of water or you might leave the room, whatever it was, because every time you physically moved, the energy of the room changed. And then after that, she taught me how to shift it on an emotional level. And I could see where I had been connecting with this person through negative vices, through the negative connotations, also the positive connotations, but how to start shifting and changing that in the deeper subconscious, which is the whole scope of the work that I do today internationally, because everything is vibration, frequency, and energy, and so are our feelings and emotions. And so I was essentially my own first client in that. But to share with you the volatility of day-to-day, -day, he would tell me a story about how his father would leave markings around the house that if his mom didn't have it perfectly 100% dust free, he would draw a line in it so you could see the line going across the pattern of the dust. And if it wasn't done in a certain time period, it had to have been, you know, there would have been repercussions. And I remember the story and it was about a month later, and I'm thinking I'm a very clean person and that I was cleaning all the time, that I walked into the kitchen and I saw that marking across the stove vent and I knew. So um, interesting. And today this person is no longer here on earth. Um, they've crossed over. They actually died of brain cancer, but there was some pretty valuable lessons that I learned from that time period as well. Um, and even being in that relationship. That's, uh, that's interesting that he died of brain cancer because I was going to ask, what was it uh, obviously, the traumatic experiences growing up and the <laughs> the awesome leadership that he had from his pop showing him how to be a complete captain jerk. Um, 
but there it sounds like there was probably something deeper mentally uh maybe even just brain wise but did they end up finding anything specifically with that um not that i know of i actually left the relationship i ran into him a couple of times after that like with your car no <laughs> like at him with things no <laughs> so that could have been interesting no um um, like in the grocery stores and different places like that. And I would go into a complete fear set. I would tremble from the inside out. So I knew I had more work to do. And then when I, um, got good with it, it was a while later, I saw an obituary posted. It just surfaced up in social media. I wasn't looking for it, but it was like the universe wanting me to know this is what happened. So that's how I know he died of brain cancer. And I, knowing what I know about cancer, tracing it back, the start of it would have been at the time I left the relationship of when it was coming into his energy field. So I thought that was really interesting because he was already engaging in that energy with it. And, um, and so at first I had compassion and you remember all the good times and everything. And then I had to stop and knock, no, Donna, there was some things that were not acceptable, like the day you almost died. And then, um, and then I learned more on those value sets. And then it was about a year ago um, that I realized that, wait a minute, this person's not here, but I am. I'm worthy to live. They're, they're dealing with their own karma. So if I'm worthy to live, how do I want to live? Well, I want to live abundantly and prosperously. And that's a huge message that I share with people around the world today. You are here, you're sitting in front of me, you're listening to the podcast, and you are also worthy of this because you are here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be. So live abundantly and prosperously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you if you can choose to do it the right way, in a positive way, why the hell would you choose opposite of that? That makes no sense. Right, you wouldn't. Uh, no, but we're conditioned in certain ways. Uh, and some of that comes from just like what you're talking about with the ex, his father, and I'm sure his father's father and father and father and further back, etc. where somebody needs to break that chain. So you've got children. What does that look like? Because it sounds, <laughs> doesn't sound like to me at the end of your life, you're going to go, damn, I didn't break the chain because you've obviously done that. So what does that look like for your kids? And did they experience some of that craziness and nonsense? They did. They were pretty young at the time when that happened. Um, and they went to the school at the ashram um, and we were all learning and growing together. I did their teacher training program. So they weren't around during some of those crazy volatile times. And if they do remember anything, it's very, very minor. Um, I think subconsciously they blocked some of it out, which was probably good. And what happened during that time was all of those things that we did because of the school that they went to, they learned a lot about mindset. They learned a lot about having that self mastery and how to work through their own emotions and feelings. So they would start off their day with yoga and meditation at the school, um, and then move into their daily activities. And it was a very, very small school, like 40, 50 students from grade kindergarten to sixth grade. So it wasn't huge. And um, they got a lot of personal training like that. And what that gave them today is a really good, solid foundation to who they've become. So my son, who was older, is now in the military. He's married and off on his own. He just finished lineman school. And then my daughter, she's 18. She's already a CNA, uh, certified nurse's assistant. And she just finished medical assistant training and has 
And so they have really good grounding that way. And I remember when um, we first moved to the new town we're in here in Montana, she came home from school one day and said, we didn't grow up like the rest of these kids and I don't understand them because they participate and act this way, but we're like this over here. Like they don't take into consideration other people and their paradigm and what they're going through. They just look at it from their self point of view. So they're very, very good that way. So that's so awesome. <laughs> if only other school, you know, all schools had that. <laughs> I, I, I think of the, uh, it's easy for certain people that have gone to like public school, even, you know, private schools where they can crack jokes about it and everybody can find something about whatever they grew up with. But there are certain human core principles and spiritual principles that everybody just needs to know. And then to be able to actually make better decisions instead of just being taught, yeah, it's like a factory. You do this thing this way and you're supposed to get this thing. But if you actually know how to learn, that's a whole different story. So uh, that's, <laughs> it's great. I mean, if, if that's the only positive thing that came out of it, that you've got awesome kids, then honestly, well done. Right. That they'll make the world a better place. They both have um, a huge degree of compassion and that if a system's not working, then they have the ability to be, when they're in that system, to make and help make and facilitate changes so the system is better for everybody. And I watched them do it throughout their schooling. I remember one time my daughter came home um, and she was vastly upset. Actually, she called me at lunchtime because one student threw their lunch away in the garbage can and it happened to have been soup and it spilled all over. Another student walked by, picked it up and started eating it. And she totally freaked out because she thought that that person needed food and they didn't have access to food and called me and needed to come home. I made her go to the principal. They talked about it and realized she found out later that the person did it on a dare. And it wasn't about that. And I'm like, if the, if the child needs food, I will set up a lunch account for them and I'll pay for it. They don't need to know because we need access to, to food and healthy food. But she was ready to go in and make a difference with that. But she went through a whole emotional side. But it was out of that love and out of that compassion that she's known since she was three because she was three, when she, three, four when she started at the ashram. That's an awesome view to be able to look at that because I, you know, I think back to school where somebody would do that and be like, yeah, that's that kid that would do that. Who's that person? That's the one who got them. That's the one who dared them or somebody's just goofing around. Um, but that's so sweet that she just jumps in immediately like, oh my gosh, how can I help? She sounds like she's a little eager, like crazy eager in a sense, like I want to do this. Oh, you're, you're fine. All right, cool. I just wanted to be able to help. Probably why she's in the medical profession now. <laughs> Good. And have her keep moving that way. That's cool. So let's take a little bit of a step back. Um, uh, obviously, you kind of went through some of the craziness that had happened, but let's break apart some of those. But are there any major episodes that have happened that you look back to and were kind of that pivot point or at least a moment where you go, that was a moment in time that changed me? Yes. Um, I can think of the time I was sitting on the sofa reading a book and he had come downstairs looked over at me and out of the blue, out of nowhere, he walks over, puts his hand around my neck, his thumb cutting off my airway. And then he drew up his fist so I could see it. I was frozen and I was really frozen in time. And I remember looking at him going, oh, this is it. I can't breathe. And about a moment 
maybe two moments before I took my last couple of breaths, he took his hand off, he pulled me up off the sofa and handed me this exercise board. Um, it was called a voodoo board. So it's like a, it rolls back and forth for like, uh, to practice for snow, snow uh, boarding and skiing and things. And he handed me the board and said, it's your turn, you just hit me with this. I deserve it now. And the moment that I had was I looked at this board and I looked up at him going, what do I do? Because that's not in my nature. And I remember looking back and putting the board down and I said, I can't do that. And I got up, walked out of the room. And that was that moment. I couldn't, it's not in me. It's just not there. And I think that is just a definition of um, your true authentic character. I had every right to do it back, but I couldn't. After I made it home safe to a different state, I contacted my lawyer. <laughs> After I got out of harm's way that way. So that's uh, in that moment, you're right. The character is shown because you had every right to even break that damn board in half, slice his throat with it, or do whatever you wanted. Um, and people would have potentially understood. But it seems almost like he was trying to push you to a level to get you to be on the same level of monster. Um, and that's a whole different psychological aspect, you know, along with the spiritual side of it. There is. There is. And, um, right. And my, I remember going back to Idaho and talking to my lawyer and he goes, I am so thankful you did not retaliate because if you did, he would have called it in potentially as domestic violence and you would have been the one arrested and not him. And what is really interesting today, this is years later, out of all of the things from that, that is the one thing I still own in my possession is that board and that rollerball. And it's in my exercise room. It's just propped up. It's my reminder. And when I go out on stages and speak and share, depending on, I bring it because it's the example. I still have it to this day. I don't think so anymore. I, um, I, with all the stuff that I do and the techniques and the clarion and everything, it's not there. It doesn't have that physical hold over to me, but it's a definite reminder, um, especially knowing that I'm still here and I'm worthy to live and to do the things I'm meant to do, share these principles, make an impact in the world, create it a better place, help those that need to be helped in whatever way is possible. It's, it's just a reminder. I don't look at it every day. I don't see it every day. Very rarely do I even see it, but it's just there. Not like you walk by the room and you're looking at it. <laughs> right. It's just there as, as part of that because it's a part of my story. And uh, I haven't used it since in that time. It, it's just significant to me. That's awesome. Uh, it's cool that you you literally have something that you've conquered in that way and you have it in your physical presence where you can look at it whenever you want, but it's not something that's perpetually, you know, kind of pulling at your energy. So talk to us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now, because the accumulation of everything you've learned and all that you've gotten to is now what you're doing. So I, I think we understand like how you got there and what kind of created, but what has it created and what are you doing now? So... Today I have an international healing practice and I've been taking that from the individual level to the global stage 
And I have a book called Financially Fit, Living the Secrets to an Abundant and Prosperous Life. I teach the programs and I teach everything that I do in the healing world and share it also out on stage internationally as I speak. But it's really about making the world a better place or making an impact in the world because there's three areas, clients all around the world, doesn't matter what country you're in or what culture you're in, you want a change with your health, your wealth, or a relationship. And all three of those are interconnected. And when I was in the financial world, those were the exact same three areas of my life that was affected because I wasn't listening to those wake-up calls. And when I sat with that in meditation, I realized the values people really want in life is happiness, prosperity, and love. Prosperity meaning all things, not just money and monetary and material things. And so that's what I bring to clients today, except I do it through the techniques that I learned after being my own first client, working with the people that I've worked, reprogramming the subconscious to accept, say, peace and balance and eliminate stress and frustration. Maybe it's happiness and releasing bitterness or whatever we hold onto in our body, the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the anger, the rage. Um, my keyword was anger um, that I had been holding on that destroyed my digestive system and everything. And when that shifts and changes in the subconscious, that energy is not there anymore or not as prominent. And then you can be in those better frequencies or those better emotions and feelings. And you're like, I'm calm and I'm balanced and I'm at peace or I have happiness or I have harmony. And then you get to move forward, attracting that magnetically back into your life through the law of magnetism versus the things that you don't want. And because that was my transition over those years, that's what my gifts is to the world to help other people through that transition. And it happens instantaneously. I'm going to say that. It, it's a lot of work leading up to it for some people to be able to actually figure that stuff out. So for people that are actively in that spot that are listening to this episode that go, yeah, I want that. And I've been looking for that clarity and being able to actually feel that sense of peace uh, without giving away secret sauce. What sort of stuff do you walk your clients through or even some of the, uh, the talks that you have from stage to be able to get into the depths of that? Um, from clients, what I do is I find out certain key information. First, I have to know what it is you want to work on, whether it's trauma, abuse, maybe you just want more money in your life. Um, I had one person earlier today call me and ask me, okay, my mindset's going back to scarcity. I need to make a change. So we find, uncover that. The second step is to create the awareness. And once that awareness comes in, we can identify what the feeling is. So the awareness is that you're feeling something when these things are happening. And then the third step, creating the, um, identifying the feeling. So what does scarcity feel like to a person? And then we can locate that where it's in the body. And because there's cellular memory in the body, it will trigger the subconscious to recall or remember an event where that feeling was associated. Because what we're doing is we're going back to the earliest possible event that you can recall that started the pattern of the feeling that it was attracting scarcity, which would be the answer to the problem, which is the feeling that you're feeling. And then we can also uncover what it was that you actually needed in the moment. No, we didn't need to feel frustrated. We didn't need to feel angry. We were looking for something else. Usually it's love or happiness or some other good feeling. And then the secret sauce is 
shifting that in a person's brain so the energy goes down a different neuron pathway. And when that happens, you feel it instantaneously in the body. It's a physiological change because in every moment, every frequency exists. Every emotion exists. It's just that you got stuck on anger instead of balance, for example. And when that transition takes place, and we just do this over the phone, then when you go back and look at the earlier event, you go, oh, it looks a little bit different, which is part of the process that the medicine woman, her name is Leandra. Um, I call her the medicine woman because she is a medicine woman, but she looks like Mrs. Doubtfire on Robin Williams' movie. It, she didn't look like an Indian lady. But um, what exactly how she taught me. And then when you go back into the body of where you felt that energy at first, you're like, oh, that looks different. That feels different. Oh, the knot in my stomach is gone. What just happened? Because you're creating awareness of a new paradigm. And the next thing you know, you have the things you want versus the things you don't want. And it happens in all areas of life. And when you make a change in one area, if you're looking at something financially, your health will improve, your relationships will improve because it's all based on frequency, vibration, and energy, which is what Nikola Tesla says is the secrets to the universe. Absolutely agreed. It's, uh, it's always interesting to me to think about the recipe to all of this, how there are things that you have to do consistently and have to change and look at differently. So it's uh, almost at, at the cost of sounding like a total nerd. It's video game like in some ways where you have to go through these puzzles to be able to figure this stuff out. But people will yell at the screen and their controller and go, why can't I just have the result? Like, why can't I just be fixed? And you're like, well, you got to play the freaking game. You got to go through it. Um, and I, I'm sure at this point, you know, going through the awareness and understanding where everything is and kind of what you want to do and then going through the body, et cetera, you could probably do it like that. Like you personally, as you go through craziness, something happens, you go, wait a minute, process through and kind of walk through it. Um, I, I would imagine that a lot of your clients start to see some of those sort of aspects coming up in times. But can you make note for, for the audience for when they're going through that? Because I kind of preach the same thing in a way. As they're going through that, what to look for? Because I always promote those little wins that you can kind of capitalize on. But are there things that you talk to your clients about, like keep an eye out for this? Right. Um, I think the biggest tip that I can share is about creating that awareness because a lot of times we are so disassociated with how we feel in the moment because we're busy. We're busy doing things. We're busy on a Zoom call. We're busy putting together an invoice. We're busy over here. We're busy over there. And we forget to check in with ourselves. And once you check in with yourself, you can stop and ask yourself, how do you feel? So set a timer on your phone for like odd times, like you know, one hour and 33 minutes from whatever time it is now. And when that timer goes off, no matter what you're doing, you stop, close your eyes and ask yourself, how do I feel? If you're happy and joyful and abundant and pleasant and all of that, keep on going. But if you're not, and you're like, wait a minute, I feel a little stressed. I feel a little luck. I've been paying my bills. I'm not feeling so good in this moment because I have to give my money away or whatever it is. That's the time to stop and ask yourself how you would rather feel and do the opposite of it. So if you feel stress in the moment, ask for peace, but you're gonna do it through two minutes of breathing. So when you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen, all the really good things that the body needs, and we breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide, all the toxins that we don't need. So when you identify how you feel in the opposite, breathe in peace, breathe out stress, 
and mentally think those words every time you breathe in and breathe out. And you will start to feel the physiological effect in your body once you understand that awareness. And then when that happens, you go back at your task, you have more clarity, you have more focus, you have more balance. The task that you're working on finishes faster than it normally would, even though you took five minutes out of your day to identify how you feel to create that awareness. Hmm. Sometimes just taking that beat, just a beat, a moment or two can shift everything. Uh, absolutely. And that, that is... So that's what I do for myself instantaneously. I always check myself in mentally. Only takes me two or three breaths anymore and I can change it. What a beautiful thing, right? You know, once you get to that point where you can do that and go, hold up. I've, I've noticed over the years that um, uh, when my native state of just kind of being type A and overjoyous at times, when I'm not there, I'm like, oh, there's something wrong. What is it? Uh, and being able to kind of check in with yourself with that. So right there along with you, it's interesting how that stuff works, though, because if you're not aware of it, how are you supposed to do anything about anything if you have no idea that anything is going on? And I think a lot of people just kind of sit in that kind of soup where they're just pissed. They're like, I don't get it. Today's just a terrible day. Well, that sucks. What are you going to do? I don't know. Screw it. Like, right. Right. What would you rather have? <laughs> yeah. Choose something different. Oh, man. So, well, I appreciate you jumping through all of that and being able to explain what that looks like. Uh, what kind of advice would you give somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? Wow. Um, I'm going to share a mantra that I wrote um, during all of those hard, difficult times. And it is trust and you will see, believe and you will know, have faith, all is well. Follow what's in your heart and spirit will lead you. I should just turn the thing off now. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, <laughs> man, well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, tell us where people can find you and where they can connect with you. Wow. Um, easiest, fastest way is if you have a cell phone, you can do a text opt-in. So text the word abundance to 26786. It's a five-digit number. So abundance to 26786. Or you can just go to DonnaCampbell.com. Perfect. Thank you, Donna. And I'll have all that, uh, all that contact info in the show notes. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so very much. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.